you can, sometimes when you play heavier songs, there's kind of a border between you and your fans. There's 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 you doing the songs and the fans listening. But when you play these sing along songs, you're like I said, you're all kind of one in the room. I think that's the way you want to leave the concert. You want to get that that personal touch back. And when we play "Open Your Eyes," there's the bridge section that really breaks down. It's just we're all one now, kind of a thing before the concert's over. I think that's important. That's Mark Tremonti from Alter Bridge talking about how to close out a show's set list. We talked to Mark and singer Miles Kennedy in this episode of Behind the Set List. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Jay, how are you? I'm doing great, Glenn. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to the audience hearing our talk with Miles Kennedy and Mark Tremonti from Alter Bridge. The name should be familiar to rock fans and even people who just keep a passing knowledge of music. The band just released their seventh studio album, Pawns and Kings, adding to a deep catalog that dates back to 2004. Three quarters of the band came from an insanely popular band from the late 90s, Creed guitarist Tremonti, bass player Brian Marshall, and drummer Scott Phillips. They're joined by singer and guitarist Miles Kennedy. Yeah, I hope people know who Miles is. You know, first of all, he's a fantastic singer who's also a really great guitar player. Earlier this year, he released his third album with guitarist Slash. That was titled Four. The backing band is known as Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and he did a U.S. tour. So last year, he released his second solo album, The Ides of March. In Alter Bridge, he's joined by some incredible musicians. It's something of a supergroup, I'd say. Yeah, I think Alter Bridge falls in that supergroup category. What stands out about Pawns and Kings is how massive it often sounds. These are some big songs, big riffs, big choruses, just big, loud rock and roll. It's really the type of album that deserves good headphones to appreciate the scale of the songs and the craftsmanship of the performances. You especially need good headphones or speakers to appreciate the low-end rumble that Marshall and Phillips create as the rhythm section. They work incredibly well together as a band. When we talked to Miles and Mark, we were looking at a set list from a show in Luxembourg. They were actually in Germany when we spoke. They'll be wrapping up a European tour in London on December 12th at the O2 Arena. That's a 20,000-seater. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, Pawns and Kings reached a respectable number 35 on the Billboard Top 200. Um, that was in the U.S., but the band is arguably more popular in Europe, uh, where the album reached number six in the U.K., number seven in Germany, number five in Austria, number two in Switzerland, and number 15 in the Netherlands. They'll come back to the States and start a U.S. tour in Tampa on January 25th. The guys gave us some great insight into the set lists and thoughts on how they choose songs to play, to start to show, to close the show. And just so our listeners know who's who, the first time they talk, it's Mark talking. He's the one with the lower voice. Some quick boilerplate here. Please subscribe to the podcast at whatever platform you prefer. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Slack or Amazon Music, Audible. You can find behind the set list anywhere. Leave a positive, helpful comment and share with a friend if you think they'd enjoy a music interview show like this. And thanks for your support. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope you enjoy Miles and Mark from Alter Bridge talking about touring, their latest album, and a bit of cool information about Mark's album of Frank Sinatra songs. So without further ado, here's Miles Kennedy 
and Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge on Behind the Set List. Let it roll. The set list that we were looking at is a recent one from Luxembourg. You know, the thing that I noticed about uh, your set list, at least this one, is that it really spans the entire career really well. You've got, you know, uh, three songs from from the new album, Ponds and Kings. You've got four from Fortress, three from Blackbird, four from the debut, two from AB3. It, it's really uh, a picture of your entire career. Yeah, you know, we, we when we put it together, we wanted to make sure there's at least a couple songs off each record, uh, at least at least one song off each record. Now we have seven records. It's getting tougher to do the set list because uh, by the time you do that, you know, you got 14 or 14 songs deep if you got a couple off each each album. So it's a constant uh, moving target for us. And we don't want people coming out to our shows and seeing the same show. If they're going to come out and see 10 shows on that tour, we want to give them 10 different shows. Where do you guys have put the cutoff on number of new songs? And I, I, I ask because we, we talk to artists all the time about, well, how many new songs can you play? And it really depends on the artist. And some, you know, we talk to Chicago and they're really wary about people getting up to go to the popcorn line, I think is the line he used. Other artists think their fans are a lot more receptive and they want to hear new music. Where, where do you sit? Where do your fans sit with the new material? Um, we, we hope they won't go get popcorn. <laughs> um, I think they're pretty receptive. I think they've kind of come to expect that we're going to pull out at least three or four tracks from a new record. And we're really lucky to have a fan base that allows us to do that. Because, yeah, you, you know, it's a lot, we're nearly 20 years in now. And, you know, you cross that point where people want to hear the hits or they want to hear the, the songs that have been around for, you know, 20 years or whatever it is but we have a base it's like no throw some throw some bone here and there let's hear some new stuff and let's see uh, see how that works in the live round so we, it, it, we enjoy it just keep us on our toes i can't believe it's been 20 years almost Jeez. Yeah, coming up. wow um looking at the intro uh, to your show it is just uh Unbelievable. I mean, you start off with Silver Tongue, Addicted to Pain, Before Tomorrow Comes. Those first three or four songs, you know, you're just lighting it up. And you've got two songs from Ponds and Kings in there. Talk about how you kind of crafted your intro. Um, you know, I think we one thing we do is we try to group songs together with the same tunings of the guitars we use. Because you don't want to have too many breaks in between for guitar changes. So um, the first block was going to be our half step down, drop D phase of the set. Uh, I think we all agree that Silver Tongue being the single of this new record should be how we started the show. Then, you know, Addicted to Pain just seemed like an obvious um, throwback to to some of everybody's, you know, favorite record from, from the uh, Fortress record, uh, and that really just kind of we just you got to come out swinging and then and then fall into some of the more chill songs along the way. One of the reviews I read online called the new album. I think the word was beefy, which may be talking about just it, it sounds big. It's the riffs are big. Um, I think Silver Tongue represents that pretty well, and in the way you start the show out might be called beefy. Is that fair to say? 
<laughs> we have, that's a great idea. Uh, maybe we're going to call this the Beefy Tour, and we'll have tour shirts <laughs> that take us the beef. You know, we got to create signature guitar pedals that are called the Beef. Yeah. <laughs> where's the beef? Call them, where's the beef? Pretty gracious. <laughs> and then you got a pedal on there that has a double patty. So after that uh, beefy opening, you kind of slow it down a little bit with Broken Wings, you know, from the from the debut album, and and I love how you kind of there's this cadence with your with your set list um, where you kind of bring things up and down, um, and you had mentioned that you're mindful of keys. Are you also kind of mindful of tempos? Yes, absolutely. How does that work? Well. You hit them, you hit them hard for four songs, and then if they need to take a breath, you know, you got to have some dynamics. And Broken Wings wasn't actually in the beginning, couple of first shows, and then uh, I think I'd mentioned to Miles, and I, I just saw something online where people were rating the, their favorite Ultra Bridge songs, and a couple of the songs that we weren't doing were in the top five, and Broken Wings I think was like top four favorite songs for Ultra Bridge fans, and we weren't playing it, so it's a very easy song for us to perform. Um, fans always sing along to it. Um, and I think that's the most powerful thing in a set. You know, you could play heavy, complex songs, but if the fan doesn't sing along to it or get into it, it's not going to have as much impact. Break Broken Wings is a easy song to play, but it has a huge impact because people are so familiar with it and they sing along to it. Uh, it's, you know, it's great for me, too, uh, when you have the sing-along songs. So if I'm four deep into a tour and um, if, you know, voice gets tired, it's like you just hand it over to the crowd. Um, but at the same time, even if, if I'm feeling good, it, there's something to be said about, uh, hearing those choruses sung back to you and it's, it's powerful, you know, and it, and it, and it really feels like there's a connection and there's a, there's this, uh, you know, kind of rapport that's developed. Um, so yeah, we, we love that. We love the single. Yeah. Where do you go online to see what people are saying about the songs. Where is it social media? Were you looking at what's popular on a streaming service like YouTube or Spotify? Miles will not look at any of that stuff. <laughs> I live in a bubble. I couldn't tell you what anybody's saying. I'll, I'll tell Miles, I'm like, yeah, man, this person said you were singing great. And he'll be like, you're crazy. <laughs> why, why would you look at any of it? So, um, I, uh, you know, sometimes you'll get on YouTube and check out some, you know, I like to see sites that are completely neutral where, where you don't know if it's a fan or not, just to see the general consensus of things. But um, I think I saw that poll on Facebook. You know, I, I'm kind of new to Facebook. I never understand. I, ne I don't understand it. I don't ever post anything. I have my manager post on Facebook. I post on Instagram and Twitter because I don't if I push a wrong button on Facebook, I'm going to send somebody something wrong and it scares me. So I just scroll pretty much just scroll down and see what people, you know, see what the pictures look like and people, what people are saying. Your honesty is refreshing. Who creates the set list? Um, do you do it uh, by committee? Um, or do either of you just get the Sharpie out and go at it? How does that come about? It's, it's, a, it's a democracy, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes someone will kind of take the reins and present a, a list just to kind of get the ball rolling. What do you think? And uh, people will weigh in with that and and uh, yeah, it just keeps it so that every, you know, everybody's got valid ideas, so that helps. Yeah. Can you ever change it up on the fly? You have to have played something 
recently to be able to do it. Like if there's some fan of the crowd that's like, it's my birthday. (laughs) I flew from Alaska. Can you play before tomorrow comes? That one's easy for us. But if they say, Hey, play fortress or, you know, we haven't played in a while. There's, we, there's no way, you know, people, people think it's funny when they sit in your guitar clinic or something, they ask you to play the solo from a song and you have no idea how to play it. Cause we have seven records between me and miles. Two of us, we have 34 studio albums. Wow. So it's impossible to memorize all that stuff. Yeah. You guys didn't play for, for quite a while before going back to Europe, unless I'm, unless I was looking at the wrong tour dates. Um, you had a pretty long time off during the pandemic. Uh, tell us about what you did with that time. Well, we both made records. Yeah, we did records. Um, I did a solo record, I did the Ides of March, and then I did a record with Slash. This fourth record, Mark did two, you did two records as well, right? Yeah, I did the uh, Marching in Time solo record uh, that I got the tour on. It got cut a little short in the beginning. Some of the, we, had, we had to cancel the European tour, um, but we did, I think, three tours on that record. Then I recorded uh, a record with Frank Sinatra's orchestra. So that, that was um, that was one of the highlights of my career thus far. And I would have never been able to do that if it weren't for COVID. If I didn't have that downtime, I would have never been able to pull that off. I'm glad you brought that up. My, my friend Dave Garbarino sent me that uh, a link to that album. Um, he goes, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> and I was blown away because it was done with such love and respect and it sounded so amazing. Um, I know that's not part of your set list now, but I would love to just, how did that, how did that come about? And I think I read something where there were some, maybe some original members from uh, Frank's orchestra that uh, participated. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I was, um, I was up late one night, just kind of, uh, I've always been a fan of Frank Sinatra, but um, one night I got online and just started, I just, it was like a switch went off. I just became obsessed. I was like, you know, I want to learn everything I can about him. I want to learn about not just the Sinatra that most of us know singing New York, New York, but go back to the early years of his early career and see how he got a start. And I read all the books and watched all the movies and started, you know, I just told myself just as a young guitar player, you hear another player and you want to play like them. I dedicated myself to try to sing like him because I was lucky enough to just have a vocal range that suited his style of singing. And then a few years into it, um, I didn't know what I was going to do um, with it until my daughter was diagnosed with Down syndrome, you know, before she was born. So after reading all those books, I had read so many times that Frank Sinatra was a huge philanthropist. He, he raised over a billion dollars for charities. Um, you know, of course, he, um, you know, people don't talk about that as much as they should. So I'm glad to be able to uh, have been able to do this project kind of in his name. And uh, we've raised, I think, almost three quarters of a million dollars so far with that record for, for the cause. And That's great. Of course, I told my manager I wanted to do this. And I wanted to find some local musicians. And he said, screw that, man. You know, my guitar teacher growing up was Frank Sinatra's touring guitar player. So he set up a lunch meeting with Dan McIntyre and Mike Smith. Mike Smith was Frank Sinatra's band leader. And uh, they put together 17 musicians, 15 of which had shared the stage with Frank Sinatra. Unreal. Well, it's in heavy rotation in, in our house. And I tell everybody that'll listen it's just such a an amazing thing, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you uh, you brought it up, Miles. If you were gonna do a, a 
an album of cover songs of your favorite vocalist, who would that be? Well, I would. That's pretty easy. It would be Ella, be Ella Fitzgerald. Um, probably a lot of the stuff I, I love there. She was singing Gershwin, um, so that would probably be something. You know, but Ella's. That's that's that's. I don't know if I can. That was know. Frank Sinatra's answer as well. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. she to me, she's the she's the she's the greatest. Yeah. Well, you know, this whole Sinatra thing started to take a chance for charity movement, and uh, Miles Kennedy might have to give an Ella Fitzgerald record. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. And speaking of covers, you you don't do a ton of covers, but. When, when I was looking through some of your set lists over the years, you did some really interesting covers. Um, and I, I'm just going to read off a few of them, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, the uh, Robert Johnson, you know, Traveling Riverside Blues, killer. A couple of Led Zeppelin songs, Rock and Roll and Cashmere. One of my favorite ACDC songs, Whole Lot of Rosie. Um, Highway Star by Deep Purple, Baba O'Reilly by The Who. Talk about uh, cover tunes and how those come about um, are these just things that influenced you growing up? Um, certainly they're uh, crowd pleasers. Yeah, I think early on, most bands, when they have only one record, they've got, they've got to pull from somewhere else or else their show's not going to go on long enough. So early on, we would do covers. But uh, I think, you know, we haven't done a cover in a long time, it seems. Yeah, you know? um, I think our set list now is so, um, you know, we... We can't put all of our songs in the set to keep all the fans happy. So if we cut one of the, our songs and put in a cover song, I don't know if fans would like or dislike that nowadays, but uh, it's fun. It just has to be the right cover for us. Um, I really like the Traveling Riverside Blues. I think that was one of the coolest moments because that is not just us playing another rock song. It's completely changing the whole atmosphere of the room and the dynamic of the show. And I think that's what's the most important thing for our shows to keep keep people on their feet. If they're about to go get popcorn, they're going to say, what the hell's going on on stage? I got to Is there a theme in, in the new material? It, a lot of it sounds uplifting, a lot of positivity. I mean, musically it's very, it's varied, but um, talk about the material and how it came together and uh, what, what the themes are in the music. The theme's pretty um, varied. Um, there are songs that are, you know, that the title track, Pawns and Kings is, you know, really an anthem for the underdog, um, song of empowerment. Um, and then, um, you know, talk about the song, uh, maybe talk about stay. Yeah. It's a song about kind of like seizing the day and, and uh, not sitting on your hands when you could be doing something with your life. Uh, Carpe diem. That's right. That's right. You know, you speak Latin. That's all I had to do during the pandemic was learn Latin. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, we 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 uh, you know we've had records where there's more of a, a theme that runs throughout. But with this record, it, it twists and turns, and and we tried to do the same thing musically as well, where it's you've got the very aggressive aspect, the beefy aspect, but um, then went to the kind of the sing along like stay and. And a few other tunes, which have that major key uplifting thing that um, our fans come to expect. Yeah, you know, my favorite part of the set is you you light the room up with Metalingus, and then you drop into this amazing section with uh, "In Loving Memory." And Mark, you, you wrote that about your mom, right? 
Yes. Such a beautiful, beautiful song. And it sounds so good with um, Blackbird and Rise Today. Um, and I mean, Watch Over You could probably fit in that area too. It wasn't in this set list, but you know, like you said, you've got 30 something albums. You can't please everyone. You can't have every track in there. Talk about how you kind of hit Metalingus and then you drop into this kind of three, four song section. Um, well, the last section, I think, are the, you know, I think we wanted to experiment for the first time of closing the set with a different song. And those songs have to be special songs. And um, Private Achilles fit that role this time around. Private Achilles, it's funny, I didn't know this, but we did an interview the other day where somebody asked, what are your favorite songs to play live, guys, individually? And we all answered Private Achilles, and none of us had ever spoken that aloud. Interesting. Um, so it's a great song. When that comes up in the set list, it's like, all right, great. This song's just a great song to, to play live. Um, so that's what we chose to end the set list with. But before that, um, Rise Today is always a huge sing-along crowd, crowd favorite. And uh, you can't – if we played a concert and didn't play Blackbird, I think people might <laughs> start um, throwing stuff at us yeah. and us. Um, yeah. That's the one song that's got to be in there no matter what. Mark, is it hard to play in loving memory? Um, Just emotionally? You know it, Yes, back, back, back in the beginnings of that song's, uh, you know, existence, it was very tough for me to, to sing it. When people, especially when people would sing it back from the crowd, I'd, I'd just choke up. And I think in the uh, live from Amsterdam performance, you can see me like, you know, tears while I'm looking up, you know. Um, you know, 20 years have almost passed and my mother passed away in 2002. So now it's just, you know, just a great tribute to her. And I just, um, you know, I can get through it now. And um, I can get through it more, much more strongly now than I could back then. What a beautiful tribute. I wanted to mention a couple songs that are, are not in this set list we're looking at and not in um, the ones I've seen online recently. Um, the song Holiday, I think, on the new album is is fantastic and season of promise also have you been doing that one in sets um you know it works well on it sounds great on the record a, a rousing song i imagine it would be pretty damn good live as well we just shot a video for that for holiday yeah but never played it never played it we're gonna we're gonna have to try and inter integrate that eventually i mean i think that, that that's um we're hoping with this record that we'll be able to play most all the songs live at some point. So we're kind of trying to spread it out. So we're just tour, we've got a batch that we're doing. And then as we, that way we'll keep people hopefully coming back. You know, what you hear, they're playing that song. So, so we'll see how it plays out. And talk to us about how you close the show. Do you go with the same song often? Uh, what's the mindset? What's it, what makes a good show closer? Yeah, because in this particular show, it was Slip to the Void um, from AB3, and then, of course, Open Your Eyes. Is that typical of your encores? Well, I think, uh, no, I think we just started doing Slip to the Void in the encore. Um, but I think an encore song, the start encore is kind of similar to the same type of song that would fill your very first spot in the whole set. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a sets of mood, but I think for the last song, you know, what Miles was saying earlier about the crowd participation and broken wings being so important and the sing along thing. 
you can, sometimes when you play heavier songs, there's kind of a border between you and your fans. There's 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 you doing the songs and the fans listening. But when you play these sing along songs, you're like I said, you're all kind of one in the room. Wow. I think that's the way you want to leave the concert. You want to get that that personal touch back. And when we play "Open Your Eyes," there's the bridge section that really breaks down. We, you know, Miles will pause as long as he wants to get the crowd really starting, you know, to really anticipate what's coming, and then they all sing along and. Um, it's just, we're all one now kind of a thing before the concert's over. I think that's important. It sounds like you're still having fun even after all these years and still enjoying it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and we do kind of attribute a lot of that, not all of it to this fan base is that they're, I don't know, they're passionate, you know, and they have given us a hall pass to, explore so many different things and, and, um, you know, musically speaking and, um, they're just, they're, they're, they're very, very intense and we are very grateful for it. So that's what's allowed us to do this for this long. Um, it's something we don't take for granted. What can American fans expect, uh, when you, uh, when you come back here? Um, you know, if they're like me, they're, they're looking at, YouTube videos and there's a lot of videos of the European dates. The stage show looks great. Uh, the lighting, there's some animation that's pretty interesting on the stage show. Um, they might have become familiar with the set that you've been doing. Uh, what's what's similar? What's different when you get back to the states? Well, I think I think one thing people get to look forward to in the states is that you'll you'll have a band that's got you know six week tour under their belt so we're going to have songs fresh and ready for them to go this tour when we play some of these new songs um we don't know how it's going to turn out so um by the time we get back to the states we'll have a lot more for them to hear a lot more variety a lot more to pull from um the production might not be the same um because some of the rooms in europe are, are in general larger than the, the rooms in the states and we just can't fit the same show on that on some of those stages but um, we're also bringing Mammoth with us on the U.S. tour, and uh, they're an incredible band. So great thing about this European tour is fans show up from the very beginning of the show. They're not trickling in during anybody's performance. They're all there from the very start of the show, and uh, I think they'll be the same way in the state. Hopefully, because you're going to be missing out if you miss um, Mammoth. That's really, really, really good, man. There's, those guys are top-notch. Top-notch kids. Come check them out. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such an honor and a, a pleasure, and I can't wait to see you guys uh, stateside. Um, continued success, and congratulations on the uh, Pawns and Kings. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Time.